0: Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College. Its annual Summer Institute for Educators takes place June 25th through 27th. Registration is now open at
1: landmark.edu slash lcsi. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just
3: My first home visit, it it was awkward because all they did was vent.
4: Are they trying to check on me? Do they think I'm doing something wrong?
5: Parents, they react to you differently. They see you differently once you've been in their home. I took it as I'm like, she cares for me. She's coming into my home, you know.
6: I was a little scared and intimidated. Welcome to MindShift, the
7: podcast from KQED about the future of learning and what it means for our kids. I'm Katrina Schwartz. And I'm Ki Sung. Today, Katrina has a story about one strategy schools are using to bridge the gap between teachers and families, home visits.
6: It's weird to call someone and say, can I come to your house? Can I come over? You know, um, that's not how people do it, typically. (laughs) Jen Adkins
8: has been teaching for 18 years most recently at luther burbank high school in sacramento california but before she came to luther burbank a school with about 1700 kids three quarters of whom are low income jen taught at a couple different private schools that kind of soured her on parents they would bombard her with calls and emails and show up unannounced in the middle of the day
6: it felt intrusive and inappropriate i was just like ah i don't i don't want to do parents they're too much once you open that door they just like They're eating dinner with you, you know. In some ways, she was
8: relieved that parents weren't quite so involved at Burbank. And it's why she was skeptical when she first heard that some teachers choose to visit parents in their homes.
6: No, mm -mm, don't want to. Don't want to go to your house, you know. Don't want to meet your parents.
8: Plenty of people have that reaction. And no one forces teachers to do home visits. But Jen decided to attend a training after hearing good things from colleagues. And during the training, she started to think there was more to the story of parent engagement at Burbank than she realized.
6: She was struck by one mother's story. She couldn't trust her children's teachers or admin or anything, her children's school, because of her own experiences in school. And because she had attended that school and it had damaged her and broken her in a lot of ways. That'll make you cry. I mean, that's not what this is about, breaking people. It's about building people if you're doing it right. Jen was impressed
8: by how The Home Visit helped this woman trust her child's teacher and how it empowered her to get involved in her child's education. She decided to give The Home Visit thing a try. She started with one of her freshmen, Hernan Gonzalez.
5: It's more than anything nerve-wracking because you know, like, you're used to seeing the teacher in school.
6: I was a little scared and intimidated.
5: I actually felt like she was gonna go tell them like bad things about me.
6: I chose one of my students that um, I felt I had positive rapport with, but who I could not get to sort of um, push himself at all, and who was um, really not succeeding. I wasn't doing too well at that time. I had this whole other story in my head about his parents and his family and and that they might be working constantly and he was you know and it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all.
5: She met my whole family. It was an amazing experience.
6: I just realized so immediately within the first five minutes like he has this really um, strong home base you know with these very caring parents who who are totally doing their best for him.
5: I took it as I'm like she cares for me she's coming into my home you know.
6: She gave me a just a whole different insight into how to reach him and how to talk to him. And he's not succeeding because of his own obstacles, not because of a lack of this or that.
8: Hernan's parents told Jen he'd never really liked school. And Hernan shared that he'd rather be working than in a classroom. Together, they talked about their hopes and dreams for his future.
6: It was kind of magical. I left thinking, well, that was good use of an hour that's gonna come back, you know what I mean? I'm going to be able to capitalize on that hour, and I have.
8: Things didn't change instantly, but Hernan says the visit changed his perception of teachers.
5: I'm grateful for her that she actually came through and came to my house, you know. That created like even a stronger bond than we have now.
8: Heading into his junior year, Hernan is doing better in school. In that conversation with his teacher and family, he realized, kind of for the first time, just how hard it had been for his dad to leave Mexico, cross the border, and find work with just an elementary school education. That made him want to try harder in school.
5: I want to make him proud. I haven't heard I'm proud of you since like elementary. You know, it'd mean a lot to me if, you know, like walk the stage in high school. You know, I'm proud of you, son. You know, it'd mean a lot.
8: Jen says the home visit built trust with everyone involved. But just as important to her, it uncovered some of the assumptions she was making.
6: As teachers, you know, we see them in this one context every day, and it's for 55 minutes, and it's not the whole picture, but we start to feel like it's the whole picture, like we know them really well, because it, it adds up to a lot of hours. And um, so I feel like we make these assumptions and we start to fill in the gaps.
8: With so many students and parents that don't show up for back-to-school nights, it's easy to project onto families. Jen says she tries not to do that anymore.
6: I just, I feel more respectful of the parents that I don't know. I feel like I'm filling in the gaps with more respectful stories now.
8: Jen was nervous about her first home visit and wanted to go with a partner who had a lot of experience. I'm Pam
0: Burek. I work at Luther Burbank High School. I'm the home visit coordinator, among other
8: things. 25% of Burbank students are English language learners. Sacramento has long been a destination for refugees, in part because the cost of living is lower than in cities like L.A. or San Francisco.
0: I'm a lead teacher for the English learners.
8: I do all the scheduling for the English learners. Pam loves home visits. Right now, she's got a lot of Afghani students.
0: We should probably go, huh? I think so. 427. Okay.
8: On a rainy day after school, I hop in my car and follow Pam to a green and beige two-story apartment complex a few minutes away from campus. Fifteen-year-old Ruhula Masumi waits for us at the entrance to the parking lot with an umbrella so he can walk us to his home. When we enter Ruhula's house, we're greeted by his mother, two sisters, and little brother. Hi. Hi. The little ones are excited by the visit, eager to be part of everything. Pam's assistant teacher, Veronica Villanueva, is already here. They all call her Jamila. Why? Because
4: she is so beautiful.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
8: Ruhula's voice is changing. This is one of the few times he speaks up during the visit. And his mother, Khadija, is a little shy, but eager to practice her English. Yeah, I like the English language. She's petite and beautiful in her gray headscarf and striped sweater, and she's a fabulous hostess, serving tea and nuts and traditional Afghani sweets. Did you make it? Yeah. Mmm. Khadija wants to know if Ruhullah is using his phone in class.
0: When you do mobile at class is very bad. Oh. The
8: phone. and what he can do at home to improve his English.
0: In, in Afghanistan,
7: a student
0: learned uh, books and write homework at home, but they're not uh, do homework at home. I don't know. But you know what? Uh, he does have homework from Mr. Ferlazzo.
8: Soon, Ruhula's dad, Najibullah Masumi, arrives home from work.
0: Okay. My dad. Is that your dad? <laughs> Hello, how are Hello. you doing?
8: He settles in, Khadija sets out even more delicious food, and they start chatting about Ruhula.
0: They was very low from the United States uh, education level. I know oh, yeah. they are moved here. Oh. So now I know like his education going, improving, yeah. and he's getting more knowledge. So yeah, then uh, I know the result is you and your teachers, and you, you provide him good classes, and you provide him the good knowledge mm. in the best way. Because, well, thank yeah. you for that, but I have to say, too, that the kids want to learn. Ruhula and all of his
8: friends really want to learn. And
5: they're...
8: The whole visit lasts about two hours, although Pam says that's not always the case. She's found Afghani families really roll out the red carpet, so the visits tend to take a little bit longer.
0: It's our pleasure. This is very happiness that we are seeing you closed in my home uh, and well. asking about my kids, my Rula, you know, your student. So you are coming. That's my. That's well, I, I. I'm very happy. Uh, that I well, told you that's we, my pleasure that you are here. And so we love him. Thank that's you. That's my card. That's my got my number. If you ever need to call me about anything. That
8: last bit. Pam handing him her card, that's the most important bit of information shared this whole afternoon. Parents often don't engage with school, especially high school, because they don't know who to call. They don't have a personal connection to anyone. But Pam has found that when parents have a name and a face, they're more likely to reach out. Thank you so much. You
0: I, I'm always amazed at the hospitality of the
8: Afghan
7: people. Thank you. Thank you.
8: That visit went well, but not every student at Luther Burbank has a stable home. Coming up, we dig into why both teachers and parents can be resistant to home visits. Are they trying
4: to check on me? Do they think I'm doing something wrong? Stay with us. That's donate.kqed.org
7: slash podcast.
8: We've heard some of the ways home visits go well, the relationships they can build, the way it can shift assumptions. But even at Luther Burbank, which has supported home visits for a long time,
2: only about a quarter of teachers choose to do home visits. One big barrier is fear. They are worried about going into the community and, you know, getting hurt. Yesenia Ramirez helped start the Sacramento Parent Teacher Home Visit Project over 20 years ago because she was frustrated with the schools. I am a mother of six girls and I wanted to be involved in their education. I wanted to be part of the school and I just didn't know how. Yesenia volunteered, but it wasn't having any impact on their achievement. I kept knocking on the door and I wasn't getting the help that I needed. She started floating the idea of home visits
8: with other parents, and the program grew from there. Now Yesenia trains teachers in 20 states on how to do home visits. And she trained the Luther Burbank teachers. There are some non-negotiables in this model.
2: This is not a drop-in home visit. They have to set up an appointment. Um, and both, they both have to agree that they want to meet. That's number one. But also the program is voluntary.
8: Teachers go in pairs. The first visit must be positive, focused on hopes and dreams, and it's not targeted. Any child can have a home visit. That's to prevent the visits from becoming a stigma.
2: But at the end of the day is they know you're coming. Even so, after 20 years, Yesenia knows what she's going to hear from teachers. Everywhere we go, it's it's always the same. It's, you know, I'm going to go in there and something is going to happen to me. Or I'm going to go in there and I'm going to see something. And then they're going to come back and they're going to have to report to CPS. And then they didn't build any relationship with the family.
8: CPS. That's Child Protective Services, and it's a big fear for both teachers and parents.
2: And of course, from the parents, it's always we're afraid that they're going to come and judge us or come and see if we're good parents or if we have our house is clean. Or it cuts both ways. The home was fine. Janet Spillman is a counselor at Luther Burbank. She
8: has one of those horror stories that gets passed around, making people nervous. I mean, it
0: wasn't a situation that during the home visit I saw anything or, you know.
8: Several months after the visit, Janet found out a student was unsafe. She wouldn't tell me what exactly because of confidentiality, but in those cases, school staff are required to report it.
0: But the parent associated it with the home visit.
8: When the parent found out it was Janet who made the CPS report, he fixated on the fact that she had been in his home.
0: And the parent called me and threatened to shoot me.
8: That kind of a threat stays with you. Janet doesn't do home visits anymore, even though she still supports the program. And as much as teachers fear going into students' homes, parents have even more at stake. What if they really want to come and check on? April Ibarra has two daughters in Sacramento Public Schools. The oldest, Kenya, is going into middle school now. And April remembers feeling insulted when her first grade teacher asked to visit.
4: I said no because I didn't want her to come into my home and be nosy. I didn't want her to come and check on us. Like, who did she think she was asking me to come into my home?
8: When she was a kid, April's family moved back and forth from Texas a few times. And each time she came back to Sacramento, it was a shock. She went from loving school and feeling smart to hating it, and she felt her teachers stereotyped her as a dropout before she even stepped in the door. She promised herself she wouldn't let the same thing happen to her daughters.
4: So I came fierce, and I came very protective of my children.
8: April felt like she was fighting for her kids, but nothing seemed to work. By the end of kindergarten, Kenya was already behind grade level.
4: I was very resistive to the school and what they would tell me I needed to do. And they represented this institution that failed me. And I thought, you know, that here are these people who are just coming for a paycheck.
8: April didn't think the teachers cared about her daughter. And when Kenya got behind, it seemed to reinforce everything she was already feeling.
4: Before having a home visit, I thought if they were struggling, it was the teacher's fault. The teacher was not doing a good enough job. To me... That was their job. My job was to parent my
8: child. Every school community is different, but the resentment April felt towards institutions and school in particular is not unique. And it's often not well understood by school staff.
4: I just remember the, the, they really wanted to work with me to help Kenny to get ahead, but I didn't care because they were wrong in my eyes.
8: To teachers who didn't know April well, her resistance might have seemed like she didn't care. And I was always angry when I talked to them. But Kenya's first grade teacher got April's attention when she said the home visit could help Kenya in the classroom.
4: I thought it would be kind of hypocritical for me to say, I want to help my child. I want to help my child. Help me help my child. And then the teacher tell me this is going to help her. And I say no.
8: When April saw those two white teachers walking through her rough neighborhood with smiles on their faces, something started to shift. She was impressed teachers would visit on their own time. It showed her they cared. In fact, time is a logistical barrier for many teachers. That's why Sacramento pays teachers for time spent on home visits, a gesture that can go a long way to making people feel like their time is valued.
3: My first home visit, it it was awkward because all they did was vent.
8: Miguel Campos is the school climate specialist at Luther Burbank. He helps students work through conflicts and tries to prevent gangs from becoming an issue on campus.
3: I don't know what to do with him. I don't know why he's skipping school. He's starting to smoke weed. And it was was just a lot for me to take in from my first home visit. And I kind of just sat there and listened.
8: I immediately liked that Miguel didn't sugarcoat anything. He grew up in neighborhoods like the ones his students come from. He's got friends who are in gangs and ones that went to jail. He doesn't know if it's luck or divine intervention that saved him from something similar. But I think it was his willingness to accept help that finally turned his life around.
3: I was 25 at the time. I did not know how to read, write, or do basic elementary math. And I could not read the applications at Target, Wendy's, or anything. So my mentor helped me sign up for a community college. I said, never again will I be in any type of organization where I feel disabled.
8: Miguel struggled through community college, finished, and went on to get a bachelor's degree. He uses those experiences to fuel his work with some of the toughest students at Luther Burbank.
3: I tell the young, the young men I work with, I had to walk around community college with an elementary math book. How embarrassing
8: is that? Miguel has seen home visits change parents' willingness to trust him. Take that first one, when the parents vented at him, that student got the message.
3: It bridged the gap between families and the school. So now they were comfortable coming on campus asking for me. It actually made things better. The student changed his behavior. like The student changed his behavior, stopped ditching, uh, don't see him high anymore, and he's going to all his classes.
8: Miguel went into that first home visit thinking the kid was in a gang. He'd heard stories of a gun charge, and he was assuming the worst about the family but they were just as worried as he was.
3: It's eye-opening that, okay, I can't be so biased. Just because they behave in a certain manner, I just can't go in thinking that they're all broken. I just can't go in with that mindset.
8: These are the stories that keep Miguel going, the ones that help him get over his own fear of what he might find in students' homes.
3: You just don't know. It's just one of those things that we have in the back of our minds, that like, you know, what, just what if?
8: It's natural to be afraid of the unknown, but often the biggest transformations come out of taking a risk. If we want change to happen,
4: we have to be willing to become uncomfortable.
8: This is April Ibarra again. She's become an advocate for home visits with other parents after seeing the difference it made for her kids' academics.
4: Yeah, we become co-educators. Yeah, the communication begins to happen. Yeah, my child can cheat. their academics can, you know, get better. But what we learn as human beings from this home visit, I think that's
8: where the beauty lies. That's what outside evaluators of the Parent Teacher Home Visit Project have said, too. One study found students that received home visits had 24 percent fewer absences and were more likely to be reading at or above grade level than families that didn't receive a home visit. Another study found improved relationships, more trust and less teacher burnout.
4: If you're willing to go out and meet with your families outside of the school and get out of your own comfort zone and come to the family's home and learn, not teach, learn, that's going to be the game changer for them.
8: No one is claiming that home visits will be a quick fix to the complex issues of poverty, racism, and inequality. But if there's one truism I've heard from teachers across the country— It's that relationships with students make a huge difference for learning. And home visits are one way to start building that kind of trust, not just with students, but also with their families. Thank you for listening to the MindShift podcast.
7: This is the first episode of our third season, and we've got more great stories coming your way. MindShift is produced by me, Ki Sung. And me, Katrina Schwartz. Our editor is Jacob Conrad, and Seth Samuel is our audio specialist. Thanks to our colleagues, Olivia Ellen Price, Vinnie Tong, Erica Aguilar, Laura Clymans, Paul Lancour, Jim Bennett, Carlos Gonzalez, and Julie Kane for their help with this episode. MindShift is a part of KQED News, and our vice president of news is Holly Kernan.
8: Thanks also to the Masumi family, the McPherson family, Yesenia Ramirez, April Ibarra, Pam Burek, Miguel Campos, Jennifer Adkins, Hernan Gonzalez,
7: Janet Spillman, and everyone else at Luther Burbank High School. If you want to stay in touch for more stories about teaching and learning, subscribe to this podcast. And while you're on your podcast app, let us know how we're doing by ranking us or leaving a comment. Your feedback helps us figure out what to cover next. Stay tuned.